0: What's up everybody, it's Jack Lingenfelter And thanks for checking out another great episode of the Straws to Stir The Drinks podcast Before I introduce our guest today, I want to promote our Instagram at Straws to Stir The Drinks Follow us there and continue to listen to us on any podcast platform today Our guest today is the CEO of the National FFA Organization, Mr. Mark Peschel Today I'll talk to him about his journey and why he is the CEO of the organization Check it out Mr. Mark Peschel, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Great to be with you.
0: So you're obviously the chief executive officer of the National FFA organization. What was your journey like to become that position in this huge organization?
1: Well, I would say that that the journey was not one that I ever expected would end up in this in this particular spot. And without going into a great deal of, of, uh, you know, all the nits and gnats of my life and my career, I grew up in Nebraska, went to school there, uh, graduated from the university of Nebraska and went into agribusiness and, and had a very satisfying career in the animal nutrition business. And I did that for 33 years and was getting ready to retire and, uh, Kind of one thing led to another, and I found out about this role, and so on a whim, I applied for the job, and I was fortunate enough to be interviewed and eventually selected. So that was a little over four years ago, and, and even though I had kind of weaved in and out of, of uh, FFA, uh, judging contests, and those sorts of things, uh, wasn't something that I ever expected that, that I would be doing now as a part of my career.
0: So what do you think agriculture means to you and especially you as the CEO of the organization?
1: Agriculture is so varied. When when I was in FFA back then you used to quote that every every farmer fed 56 people. And now I think every American farmer feeds something like 156 people. And and just the whole industry has changed. The the number of, of actual production farmers has of course dropped, but with technology and expertise and the relative size of operations, uh, the, the way that we farm has has changed dramatically. And uh, there, there are just hundreds of different careers and jobs and roles that are involved in feeding people. And, and I think we need to Keep our eye on the ball. It, it, that that is really what the reality is: is that agriculture is about assuring that the seven plus billion people that are on the planet now, and the ten billion people that will be on the planet in thirty years, all have an opportunity to uh, to have a, a three meals a day. And so, ultimately, I think that's the the very noble purpose that we have.
0: And so in 2020, we we are experiencing one of the most strangest uh, predicaments that we've ever faced in, in my lifetime and, and probably your lifetime. So in the age of COVID and the coronavirus, how have you had to redefine agriculture engagement in FFA?
1: Well, I, I love how you put that, that, you know, just this unusual predicament. I'm not sure I heard anybody uh, refer to it that way, but I love that. And that is really what we have been facing is, is this predicament on, on how do we uh, maneuver our way through it. As a leader, I think one of the first things I had to deal with was how do we keep our employees safe? And and what do we do as an organization to assure that they can still perform the responsibilities of their jobs, but do that in a way that they aren't being unduly exposed to uh, the coronavirus or infecting one another. And so we made a decision early uh, that we would uh, send our employees home and ask that they work from home. And And that has actually worked out quite well. I think that, that overall our team members have uh, been able to perform the responsibilities of their jobs really effectively from home. And I give them a great deal of credit for, for doing that. But it wasn't long after that that we started to ask ourselves a question. What, what are the operations of FFA going to look like? How are we going to have contests? How are we going to support uh, states who are having conventions? What are we going to do to keep the national officers engaged? How are we going to plan for conferences like Uh, Washington Leadership Conference, State Officer Conference, how are we going to do new state officer training? And then really it was early April, we said, what if we can't have an in-person National FFA convention? And so in that case, we just set up teams of people to to take on all those various uh, uh, considerations, including National Convention. I had a team working on what if we have an in-person event, what does that look like? and a team working on what does it look like if, if we're not able to do that? How do, how do we have some kind of a meaningful engagement opportunity for, for students and our guests if we can't have an in-person convention? And of course, that's where we're at now. So uh, it's had a while I think it's had a significant impact on FFA, we may be at a point where we have, through the national officers and through virtual Means and now with the upcoming convention that will be held virtually, we may have actually been able to have direct engagement with more FFA members this year than we have in any other year. And so we're, we're just trying to, you know, see the positive in as much of this uh, really uh, predicament, as you put it, Jack, that, that we, we can. So I think it's been an unusual year, but I think it's been a very rewarding year as well in a lot of ways.
0: And and we're taking uh, such a, a strange and, of course, s- sad situation, and we're turning it into something better. And we're even reaching and engaging with even more students. And so you spoke a little bit about the national officers and kind of the situation that they're in this year. And I've been able to speak with a few of the national officers on on the team this year. What is your role specifically with interacting with them? Is it overseeing them, or, or how, do you, how do you affect and how do you change the national officers?
1: Well, I, I have a great opportunity to interact with the national officers. Uh, at the beginning of their year of service, I meet with them and kind of outline the expectations that we have as an overall organization for their year of service. Uh, I help prepare them for... Uh, their participation in the Board of Directors, because they actively serve uh, as members of the board, and there's some nuances to those meetings that that those uh, young people need to understand. Uh, I encourage them to speak up, to not wait for halfway through their uh, their year before they let us know what their opinions are and what their views are on issues. Uh, because that year goes really quickly, and and I want to make sure we listen to the student voice, uh, which which I view them as representing. And uh, of course, I see them in the FFA center. I, I try to maintain a really good relationship with them, but I also have to be aware that ultimately I'm responsible for making decisions about uh, their uh, their overall responsibilities with FFA. You know very transparently, of course we had a very difficult situation this year uh, involving one of our national officers that that had to be removed and while I can't say a great deal about that, I do view my role as being the one that that has to be in a position to make those difficult choices. and so I, I think I have a very uh, constructive relationship with the national officers and we all know each other uh, but We have we have team members at National FFA uh, from from our staff that supervise their daily activities and work with them on their training and their uh, their engagement with with members and with chapters and with state associations.
0: How do you think your perspective specifically on on leaders and and students and, and in this organization? How has that changed now that you're in such a high position in the organization?
1: Well you know I when when I was in FFA one of the speeches I gave referred to one of my favorite quotes about leadership and President Dwight Eisenhower had said leadership is getting others to do what you want them to do because they want to do it and that's always stuck with me and and I think that 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 rings true as much today as it did when, when I was an FFA member in Mead, Nebraska. Um, I, I think that, that being able to influence, being able to lead in many cases as a servant leader, uh, being right there in the game with all the rest of your, of your uh, colleagues, uh, being able to lead by example. And I would also say that understanding that leadership is not always a straight line. Uh, We often think that as leaders, we can make a decision and we can get from point A to point B just because of the position that we have. When in fact, truly leading, in my view, means that you have to be able to assess each part of the journey that you're on and adjusting decisions when necessary in order to get the best possible outcome. And so maybe I've learned that because I'm just older now. Uh, but that's something that I think is an important part about leadership development is uh, assessment and and being flexible enough to um, make adjustments in your leadership style.
0: What have been some of your favorite programs or even projects that you've been able to put together as um, CEO of the organization?
1: Well, that's a good question, Jack. I think. You know, I don't know that it's that it's very easy to pick one or two things. Having the FFA Blue Room and FFA Blue 365 was something that was completely different than FFA had ever done. Um, that that really focuses on, I think, 21st century agriculture and the kind of careers that are going to be available for our students going forward. So, if if I had to pick something. The Blue Room would would certainly be an, a, an area that I would look to, but I think we have so many good programs and we've, we have found we've had to make some adjustments to some. We have to continue to elevate, uh, whether it's career development events or leadership development events or proficiency awards, we have to continue to elevate them and adjust those so that they reflect modern day agriculture and where our industry is going uh, from this point forward. So the opportunity to, to be able to have some influence on that is really satisfying. And I think that, that the opportunity that we've had over the last four years since I arrived to improve FFA's fiscal responsibility, to, to operate the organization uh, more successfully from a, from a budget standpoint, uh, from uh, ju- just from overall operations and, and being a more fiscally sound organization has been really satisfying.
0: So how do you think FFA and agriculture education, maybe specifically, has changed over the years, even from uh, four years ago or when you were uh, in Nebraska? How do you think it's changed all the way up to today?
1: Well, I'll show my age here, Jack. You know, I I was in uh, what was then vocational agriculture over 40 years ago, and and while the the classroom experience was really satisfying, uh, still stands out as one of the most enjoyable sets of classes that I had. We were we spent a lot more time talking about production ag, and learning how to weld and learning how to build small engines and uh, animal husbandry and our SAEs at that time. Were much more focused from a production ag standpoint. Now, fast forward to where we're at now. There's a broader range of SAEs. It's called agricultural education, not vocational ag. We have many more young people in FFA that are uh, able and have a desire uh, to go to four-year colleges and universities and then carry on their careers uh, within a much broader range of jobs in agriculture than existed 40 or 50 years ago. And so I think that, that as uh, our society, as our business cycle, as the economics of agriculture have evolved uh, over these last decades, agricultural education has evolved to keep up with that and to prepare this, this group of young people who are tremendous leaders uh, to be ready for the challenges of a very diverse industry. And so I think that's the biggest change I've seen.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you suggest to the students who do aspire to be leaders in, in, in 2020 and maybe aspire to grow in FFA or in agriculture education?
1: Well, I would I would uh, suggest that that anyone that is in FFA it needs to understand that leadership instruction leadership development is gonna be part of their classroom activities. It's designed that way uh, through the law that is our federal charter. And it's been designed that way since FFA was formed in 1928, because the the people that that initially put FFA together, and even before that, the people that developed agricultural education from 1917 on said, "When, when we have a farmer, uh, that is in a public setting, we want them to have the same uh, respect and be able to garner the same respect uh, as leaders that anyone else from any other industry would would garner. And so I, I would say that, that our members uh, need to understand that rolling up your sleeves and being involved in community service projects in working side by side with their uh, fellow members uh in understanding that that leadership is a process and not an event uh will find themselves in the most unique situations in the future to really reflect their leadership skills so just uh you know work well with other people and and i've always i've told my children this and and i would tell ffa members this if you lead with a spirit of humility uh you're going to have a much more satisfying journey in your life than you will if you try to lead through uh, um, some other coercive type of a a method. So I I just think working with people, demonstrating humility, and uh, looking at it as a journey uh, makes you a much more effective leader.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. How important do you think it is for local chapters and local members to affect change and be community leaders? How do you think important it is for those local chapters to affect change as well as the national organization and these national officers?
1: We just uh, announced a roadmap, for instance, around inclusion, diversity, and equity. And that's really built around the fact that we want to assure that FFA and agricultural education continue to be a welcoming place for all students, for educators, alumni. We, we want it to be a place where people feel at home. I can do all sorts of things at the national level around policy and procedures and processes. But the reality is where that really takes place is in the local chapter, in local communities, with the local teachers and students in those individual chapters, that's that's where it really takes place. And so, I all I can really do is influence their thought process, and hopefully, National FFA can give some guidance. But if there are going to be uh, young people that develop as truly the next generation of leaders that's gonna grow out of the work that they do in their local chapters in their local communities, working with their with their ag teachers and their FFA advisors. Um, that, that That's just the reality of, of what we deal with. And that's why I think local membership and chapter engagement by those young people is the most critical thing that we can encourage young people to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm beginning to ask every guest that I have on this podcast, what's your why? And the statement truly means why do they do what they do? What is the purpose behind all of their missions and and all of their uh, projects uh, to put in front of the public? Why do they do what they do? So I do ask you, Mr. Preschall, what's your why?
1: My why now is different than my why was when I came out of college. I would first admit that when and, and i so respect the young people that are in FFA today or that are recent high school or college graduates because you see the why of these young people around really wanting to make our world a better place much more focus on sustainability in agriculture much more focus on community engagement and social issues and and i love that i respect that Jack, when I came out of college, I just wanted to make money. That, that was really what it was about for me. But, but I, I think that my why has now evolved to the point of I, I wonder why it is that the American consumer, simply because they, they eat three meals a day, believe that they understand agriculture and they understand food production. Um, there are so there are so many opinions about uh, agriculture and where food comes from. I, I think that FFA members have a tremendous opportunity to to reflect agricultural literacy and be advocates for agriculture, because instead of consumers questioning the why of of. Uh, modern technology to to be more sustainable and to provide more food, uh, fiber, and fuel for uh, for individuals around the world. I I would hope that the the why can change is why why can't we assure that everyone has trust in their food production system, and the young people that are going to come up from this generation of FFA members and are going to be the ones to to influence. Uh, how we do that and how we do that globally on a much more sustainable basis. So my why has evolved, uh, but it's still around now. Um, How do we make a more secure agriculture to continue to be in this very noble profession of feeding everybody?
0: Hmm. What do you hope to accomplish in the future for FFA and agriculture education?
1: I hope that that through my leadership that we have set the stage for FFA to be a a welcoming place for young people for years and decades to come. That young people have have found a place uh, in agricultural education in FFA. That we've developed a, a business model, if you will, at FFA that allows the organization to operate successfully well into the future. And that the, the vision and the path that we've led out over the last three years is one that can be carried on by whoever succeeds me someday and and uh, wherever the organization goes from this point forward. So I, I've tried to be very mindful that I, I am in charge of a very important ship that a lot of people have strong opinions about and we're not always going to agree, but I hope we can all agree that ultimately the objective is is to to build young leaders and to serve agriculture. So that's what I hope's left in terms of my legacy.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation today, uh, Mister Peschel. It's it's been a pleasure.
1: Well, it's been my pleasure to be on your podcast, Jack. And I wish you all the best. And uh, thank you for your ongoing engagement with and interest in FFA.
0: Thanks for tuning into today's episode of The Straws That Stir The Drinks. Continue to follow us on Instagram at straws that stir the drinks and continue to listen to us on any podcast platform today. Thanks for listening.